You're listening to The Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, you're listening to episode 92 of the Blended Family Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about easing your child into the new school year. Plus, I'm bringing you another family interview later in the show. I'm really enjoying these interviews with you. It gives me a great chance to get to know my listeners better. So thank you to everyone who has contacted me so far. If you feel like you would like a chance to talk with me and have your blended family featured on a future show, please email me, melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com, and just put interview in the subject line and I will send you the information you need. Recently, I've been getting lots of emails from you, not just about the interviews, but many about some issues you're having. I've been having trouble getting back to all of you in a timely manner, and I just want to apologize for that. Getting the kids back to school is always a really busy time of year for us. We have the four kids in three different schools, and each school has had open houses and different things going on. Plus, we have one in dance, one starting MMA, and just a slew of things going on. I actually just got a laptop so I can start taking my work with me, which should help a bit, but I'm still in the process of moving things around and setting up my office better. We had to pull my computer out of my room, which is where I record, because the kids really need more access to the computer for their schoolwork. So anyway, I just ask that you please have patience with me as I'm getting organized, and I will get to your emails as soon as I can. One last thing, there will not be a show next Monday. It is Labor Day, and I'm going to try to take a small break next weekend because I honestly haven't had much of a break all summer. I will be working on some upcoming shows and trying to catch up on some emails and other things I've fallen behind on. So I hope you understand. And of course, I will resume the following Monday with another show for you. Okay, so let's get to today's topic. It's that time of year for the kids to go back to school. I know some of us already have, like my family, for instance, but many of you start next week. Since we're already into the third week of school, I am seeing certain issues pop up with my own kids and their friends. So I thought it might be a good idea to address this topic for you. This isn't so much of just a blended family issue, but if you have a blended family, you may have more children to ease back into school. In any case, it can be a stressful time of year for both parents and students alike, and it doesn't really matter what age your children are. They're all going to be dealing with stresses. As parents, we can't always help 100% of the time, but there are ways in which we can help to make things a little easier. Obviously, young children are going to have an entirely separate set of issues to deal with than maybe a teenager would. If you've got a preschooler or young elementary school student, they may be dealing with separation anxiety, shyness, fear, and lack of independence. They may not want to be away from you if this is the first year out of the home. If you haven't had them socialize much yet, then they're going to be trying to learn how to manage relationships with others, and also they're learning about manners, expectations, and rules that are different from the home. An older child who is in middle school probably has the largest set of issues. The transition from elementary to middle is the most difficult and scary time for a child. It can be exciting, but also very frightening. They're right in the middle of puberty, so 
already they're dealing with those kinds of changes physically and emotionally, and now have to deal with learning a new school system. Plus, they're surrounded with other children who are also going through this crazy time, and that can cause lots of social issues. And on top of that, going from one teacher to so many is a lot for them to deal with. They need to learn time management, organization, and how to manage expectations from class to class. Our youngest just started her first year in middle school, so we have already had three others go through it. And I can tell you from experience, it has been the toughest and most challenging stage for all of them, especially the girls. And then we have high school. Definitely still can be a trying time. At this age, the kids have a lot of distraction they deal with from their peer group. Even though they might be more sure of themselves than middle schoolers, they still struggle with trying to fit in. And this is also when sex and drugs comes into play more. I should say that middle school has quite a bit too in my area of the sex and drugs, but it's easier to control for in middle school. High school is when they're all experimenting, wanting to get into cars, getting jobs, basically pulling away from the family and learning to be more independent and have more responsibilities. And this is also where they push back a bit and try to get more freedom. So you see, whatever age they are, you are going to have to help your children through school. Some kids will seem like they breeze through every year like it's easy, and some of them will struggle every single year. And then some kids have certain years that seem more tough for them than others. It's really going to help if you're aware of what's going on in their life, what's going on in school. And I know that some kids are pretty quiet about this and others will come home and tell you everything. It's our job as parents to guide them through the school years as best we can, but also allow them the space to grow and make their own choices. It's a hard line to walk. We know that we can't hold their hand through it all, even though we want to. We really have to teach them the skills they need to survive on their own. And speaking of, if you haven't yet listened to the interview with Julie Lithcott-Hames on her book, How to Raise an Adult, you really need to listen to it. It speaks a lot about this. And that one was episode 89, not too long ago. Anyway, today I'm just going to give you five tips that you can really apply to any child, no matter what age they are. So the first tip, work on establishing routines. I know that during the summer, we all let go of routines a bit, and that's fine. It's actually refreshing sometimes to do that, but kids thrive on routine. So try to get back on track at least a week before school if you can. And what I mean by this is to at least have a routine bedtime. And that will vary depending on the age, of course, but no child can have success at school when they're exhausted from not sleeping the night before. And if they spent the whole summer staying up till all hours of the night, like mine did, it takes a while to get back on a regular schedule. You also want a routine as far as homework, dinner, bathing, that's more structured for the younger kids who need an entire bedtime routine. Older kids may need less, but still should have a regular bedtime and an area they do homework in every day. Even an exercise routine is really healthy to have. And some other things I like to do to have the kids uh, in the morning is to lay out their clothes the night before and pack their lunch. That way they have less to do in the morning, which is helpful for kids who have a hard time waking up. The next tip, number two, help them get organized. Generally speaking, most kids just are not into organization. Their backpacks are usually a disaster, their rooms are messy, and they can never find anything. 
and you may not be able to force them to be organized. I think that comes with age for certain kids and other kids may never learn it. Some adults struggle with it too, but we can help them a little bit by first off setting an example. If the whole house isn't organized, chances are a child isn't going to be organized either. So start by setting a positive example of what it looks like for yourself, for your house. Set them up for success by helping them organize their room. Teach them how to set up their drawers and closet. You can get them bins and containers for things. And then the big one is the backpack. When you get all of their school supplies, have them sit with you and set it all up together. Each school is different, but usually you need to write names on everything and secondary schools may have many classes that require separate supplies. I told you my son just moved in with us this year and he was just gonna bring a notebook to school. And when I went out and bought all of the supplies and set it up properly for him, he was so surprised. He didn't understand why he needed all that stuff because he was used to just doing it his way. But I explained to him how much better he would feel when he had everything he needed. I was trying to set him up for success. Now, whether he keeps it that way or not has to be up to him. I mean, he's a senior now. But my point is when kids have what they need, they're more confident. Now, since kids are naturally unorganized, you will need to keep on top of them throughout the year. Help them periodically go through their bags with the supply list, some kids like to pick out their own stuff, and that can make them more excited too. And like I said before, a homework area is a good thing to have, whether it's their bedroom or the kitchen table. Find a place in the home where they can go each time to do their homework. And if you can fit a desk somewhere, that would be best. That way you can have extra pens, paper, and anything they might need at their fingertips. All right, tip number three, familiarize them with the school. If this is a new school, you want to make sure they have a chance to see it before the first day. No one wants to walk into a brand new school before they've seen it. We had three go into new schools just this year, and we made sure we brought them beforehand to look around and make sure they knew where things were. Over here, we were even able to get their schedules in advance so they could walk from class to class and feel familiar with that, since it can be nerve-wracking rushing from class to class when you don't know your way. You can also make sure they know where the office is and where the clinic is in case they need something. Our schools give out a map, so we even highlighted all their classes on the map for them and placed it in the front of their binder with their schedule. Whatever you can do to help them feel more secure on their first day at a new school will help. Next tip, number four, be aware of your own insecurities and anxieties. If you are feeling nervous for them or worried about them, you've got to watch so that they don't pick up on that. Because what will happen is that they will either feel it and get worried more also, or they'll play on that and use it to manipulate you. So let me give you an example for that. Let's say, let's say your child is scared to ride the bus and they tell you this and immediately sense your worry. And then they magnify it and they make it bigger than it is by telling you a story of something that happened on the bus to upset them. And then they ask you for a ride to school every day. And this can continue on all year since they know how worried you are about the situation. Does that make sense? And that can happen with lots of things. So make sure you don't allow your old stuff to resurface when you're dealing with your child's issues. Some of us have had terrible childhood memories. Maybe we were bullied or embarrassed when we were young. There are all kinds of things we went through. And if we aren't careful, we can project that onto our child. It's okay to worry about them. 
just keep that part hidden a bit so they don't pick up on it. We're actually dealing with some stuff this year already. One of our daughters is going to a new school, which she wanted to try since she had some bullies last year. She wanted a fresh start. Unfortunately, the bullies also were transferred to the new school with her. So now we're trying to help her through this without showing fear because we know that our fear will give her more anxiety. And then we have our son who moved here to start a new school in his senior year, which is also scary. And he's having some anxieties because he isn't meeting friends as quickly as he hoped and it's depressing for him. And again, we have to be supportive without seeming frightened for him. If we wanna help our kids emotionally, we have to hold back some of our emotions. It's totally okay for them to know we're concerned and they should know because that's how they know we care for them, right? But we don't wanna to show too much as they depend on our strength. So we don't wanna rub that off on them. And the last tip I wanna share with you is to keep communicating. I know that some kids shut down. The earlier you start the dialogue, the better, because as they get older, they can shut down more. But you really wanna emphasize that they can come and talk to you about anything. But here's the trick to this. You've got to be a listening ear, even if they tell you something shocking. Trust me, sometimes my kids tell me things that make me cringe, but I appreciate that they feel comfortable enough to share it with me. I just try not to make a face so they don't know how frightened or appalled or shocked I might be. And you want to be emotionally supportive with this as well. Sometimes they want advice, other times they just need to vent, and many times, they just wanna know you support them. So before you open your mouth to speak or give advice, try to determine what they want. Do they just need to unload or do they want you to tell them what they should do? And it's really helpful to learn this about your kids because when you do, they will come to you more often. If they can come to you and express their feelings without you getting angry or judgmental, they'll know they can count on you. And this is huge because that is the type of relationship we all strive for with our children. So once again, your five tips. One, establish a routine. Two, get organized or get them organized. Number three, familiarize them with the school. Number four, monitor your own emotions when you're dealing with them. And number five, communicate regularly. And I hope that you can take those tips and apply them to your own children now and during the school year. And even though this topic wasn't centered on blended families, I want to remind you that you should use these tips on both your biological and stepchildren if you have stepchildren. Some of you have stepchildren that are not getting this treatment at their other home, and so you can be the person that helps to fill in that void for them. And for those of you who do still have one more week of summer, please enjoy it and enjoy your Labor Day. Remember, there will be no show next week. And I'm gonna wrap up today's show with our family of the week, the Azowskis. Enjoy this very special interview with our listener, Amy. Feedback, as always, can be sent to me, Melissa, at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. This is the part of the show where we get to know one of our listeners and learn more about their blended family. Today, I'm speaking with Amy Azowski from Mesa, Arizona, 
Their blended family has been together for seven years and includes her and her husband, David, and their three children, two from her previous marriage, who are 12 and 10, and one from his previous marriage, who's 13. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Did I pronounce your last name right? Perfectly, actually, okay, which is rare. <laughs> I should have asked you first, but I didn't think so. <laughs> you did great. Okay, good. Well, please tell us your story, Amy. How did you meet your partner? Um, that's actually kind of funny, but I guess more common these days. I was living um, about two hours away in Tucson, Arizona at the time. Had my business and my family there had gone through my divorce, and I kind of was looking to move out of the area and for a fresh start. Um, so I knew I wouldn't be staying there, so I turned to the whole online dating site. And so we actually met uh, the first day I was online and kind of hit it off, had some similar interests and started talking a lot more online and then kind of the rest is history. Wow. Well, usually you don't hear people having, I mean, people have luck on there, but not always the first try. So that was really, that must have been meant to be. Yeah, we always say fate brought us together. And when I hear so many horror stories about online dating now, I feel really fortunate. Yeah, can you, are you allowed to say what dating site it was? Oh, sure. It was match.com. Match.com. Okay, I know there's a <laughs> lot of them out there, so good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that worked out for you. So the next question, Amy, what I'd like to know is, what is your biggest struggle and what is your greatest joy? So I want to know, in your opinion, what is the best part and the worst part of having a blended family? Um, the best part is always easier, so I'll start there. Um, the best part for me is just, you know, you get, with a blended family, there's just more people and more love. <laughs> Bottom line, we now have extended family, the kids have more grandparents and family members, and, you know, obviously having uh, another sibling for my children has been wonderful, another child for myself, so obviously the more love in our family um, has just been and always has been the greatest treat and the greatest joy for all of us. So we've been really lucky there um, to have everyone get along so well and to have so many great extended family members that have come out of this. Um, our biggest struggle, however, um, I, I listen to your podcast a lot. I found it through my struggles and frustrations um, and have found a lot of comfort there. But our biggest struggle is that we have, on my husband's side, there has uh, never been a great uh, relationship mm -hmm. between him and Biomom. And um, obviously that affects every aspect of our family. Um, and so that's been quite a journey over the years to try and navigate that and try and do what's best for everyone in the family and not get caught up in it. So that's definitely been and probably will always be our greatest struggle. Yeah, well, you're not alone. That's actually... <laughs> I think the most common problem that most blended families have is issues with ex-partners. So it's extremely common. Have you found that it's um, evolved over time or is it exactly the same as it was from day one? Has it gotten worse? Um, I mean, it's definitely evolved in the seven years, but I mean, it's taken court, it's taken therapy, it's taken accepting a lot that we cannot change. Um, it's 
been a process and it's been a lot of work on our half to do what we can and what we can control and let go of what we can't. So um, it's it's better. It will never be what we would hope that it would be. Um, or I shouldn't say never, but I, after seven years, if it's not there already, I'm not sure that it will get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, never, never say never because you really never know. I mean, we can't control other people, but people by miracles do happen. And sometimes people do change and turn things around. So you just got to keep that hope and faith going and maybe things will, will look up in time. So the next question I have for you is what are some lessons that you've learned along the way in the last seven years? Um, there's been a few that have been really important. Some came early and some took us a while to figure out. Um, in the beginning, with a lot of struggle and a lot of negativity, um, it's easy to get caught up in that. It's easy to get angry, um, hurt, upset, and really focus on the challenges. So um, I, we had to learn uh, at some point in time to really focus on what we could control um, and let go of the thought that if the other person won't change, that nothing can change. Mm -hmm. So we had to pretty much kind of take things into our own hands. We sought out a therapist and went um, together ourselves, my husband and myself, so that we could just figure out how to deal with it and navigate it and not succumb to the negativity basically um, and ruin our family or our relationship. So we definitely learned to take into your own hands what you can control and that sometimes things are bigger than you and you need help with them. Um, so that was essential for us, uh, was really seeking some help uh, and, and we kind of delayed on that because it seemed like, well, if you can't get the other person involved or they don't seem willing, then how is it going to help? But it was really helpful for us just to do it on our own and ask questions about how, you know, how can we deal with this if we can't change it or what's best for our son in this situation because this is affecting him um, and to really get some, you know, unbiased opinions and help through that was invaluable for us. Um, and I learned to accept a lot of things. I know several people have talked and you've talked on your show about different roles, especially that the step-parent plays. And that was a hard thing for me to understand for a while, that there's just some roles that I will not have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think once I figured that out and came to terms with that and understood it, that things got a little bit easier for me. It's like there's some things that I just, you know, that I get to do with my children that I just never will have that role necessarily. And that's just the way our family is going to be. So that was definitely an important um, lesson that I had to learn personally is not, not to be sad about that, but that my role is unique and I just have, you know, a different relationship or a different role sometimes than I would with my own children. Absolutely. And I really like the first thing that you said, because, you know, even though we can't control anybody else, we do have control over our own reactions to what's happening around us. So I'm glad that you realized that and learned for you, you how to deal with it because, you know, it's mostly important what you decide to do and how you get on with things. I mean, you're not going to change the people around you. There's nothing you can do about that. You have to learn to live with certain things. And so your mental health is extremely important, you and your husband. 
Yeah, it, it took us a while to get there too because we would go to the therapist and they would tell us like, you can't control that, you can't control that, you have to let go. And that was a hard thing to hear at first. It's like, but no, that's wrong. Well, it, it <laughs> is really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we want to be able to control the situation, especially when we know somebody is really being unfair or wrong. And it's so frustrating when we realize that we have absolutely no control over anybody else. Even, even sometimes our children and our stepchildren, you know, we really, as they get older, we don't have control over them either. So, um, that's, that's a really good lesson. Amy, what's something, you know, now that you wish you knew back then? Um, I think along that lines, we really learn to focus on what we can control, um, to focus on putting our energy into positive things in our family and letting go of the rest. We can't influence what goes on at other homes. We can't influence anything else outside of our four walls. So when it's our time, we really need to focus on what we can control and um, I feel like once we made that shift and really started um, focusing on that, we really found a lot of relief and made some progress, I think, in our relationships. Um, we would sometimes get caught up in like, oh my gosh, we feel like, you know, it's like, when does this get better? When does this, you know, when does karma kick in? All sorts yeah. of weird, strange feelings come along with this ride. And I think now that our kids are older, now that we're seven years into this and we've really seen some kind of crucial things over the last year, I think now that they're getting older and things have really started to click, um, I think we know, A, that these things take a lot longer than we thought <laughs> for our family to really kind of gel and click. You feel like it should take, you know, six months or a year. And it really did take us that long to get to this point. So it, it, it did, I, I feel I know now that, and I wish I knew then that this is going to be a process, that this will take a while and that there's so many stages and that's just a part of the process. And I feel like the other thing that was really important that we learned and we are starting to see is that if we just stick to doing the right thing, what we feel is right for our children, and always have good intentions and always act with love, that no matter what else is going on in their world, that that really does do the most for them and it really does matter and they really start to understand what you're doing when you get older. Sometimes when they're younger and you have these challenges, it can be hard and you question your parenting and you question, do they see what I'm trying to do? And, and do you, you know, even though there's all this strife and stress, it's like, do they, do they know that we're trying to do the right thing? And I think we're finally to the point where, you know, by modeling some healthy behaviors and for just focusing on what we can and not speaking negatively and all those things that we're not supposed to do have finally paid off. Yes, it really, really does. I know Sometimes it's frustrating, but you know, when you do the right thing, it does. The kids grow up and they do see, they're watching, and it always pays off to be like that. And you know, you're at the sweet spot right now, that seven year mark. You know, I've said this before, I, I don't remember where I heard it. I heard it, gosh, over a year ago. Somebody said it takes seven years for a blended family to really start to click and mesh well. And so it's interesting that you said that. And I kind of found the same thing with my own family. It was it was about the seven year mark. So it must be kind of true that um, we, we started to get our groove, you know, at that point. So things start to get easier. So. Yeah, I wish I would have thought to look into 
that cycle sooner or, and, you know, or, and read more about it sooner than I did. Um, because I feel like that would have given me more of a realistic idea of how this really works. And I might not have been so hard on myself. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's helpful for some people that are listening right now that are kind of newer into it, you know, maybe a year or two or less in, and, you know, maybe that will help them. So what do you do to keep a positive attitude and a sense of peace? Um, I found CrossFit about a year ago and quickly became addicted. <laughs> it's challenging mentally, it's challenging physically, and I dove right in. So I get up super early in the morning. That's how I start my day, and it really helps me relieve a lot of stress. It challenges me mentally. Um, I think the physical aspect, anything you can do physical helps with that. Um, I try to do any sort of um, kind of mindfulness work and I've been reading a lot about that and just really, I, it's something I've really had to focus on with so much, um, stress over the years is really making a conscious effort every day to find something that will take me back to a positive space. So I read a lot on the topic. I, you know, I try to be active and, um, I do a lot of volunteer work too. Some kind of just feel good stuff to make me feel like not everything is stressful. Nice. My husband does CrossFit. He's been trying to get me to go for two years and it's just not my, it's not my <laughs> pace, but I mean, I, I hear from people, you either love it or you hate it. And you yes. know, he, he loves it. And when he's having a stressful day, he, he doesn't get to go in the morning cause we have to go to work, but he'll go, you know, late afternoon and if he's in a bad mood and he goes there, he comes home feeling so much better. I mean, tired, but better, you know? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes I think the combination of the two is what I need. I need to be worn out. So my mind isn't, you know, constantly going and overthinking and then just the kind of stress relief part of it. So I love it. Exactly. So have you found any helpful resources that you'd like to share such as books, websites, podcasts, et cetera, anything? Um, I, like I said before, I wish I would have read a lot more a lot sooner. Um, your podcast was actually one of the first things that I found when I was just had hit a point where I was so frustrated, maybe about a year ago, with just everything, and it just felt so hard. And I'm like, we have this internet and these podcasts. There's got to be information. So I just started reading everything I could. I actually... Um, do a lot of reading on just kind of staying in the moment and positive things. I recommend any book by Eckhart Tolle. And also in our specific situation, because there was so much difficulty and there was a lot of alienation and things going on, I really recommend if anybody's going through that kind of situation, that there's a lot of resources online. There was one um, that we went to a lot called paaawareness.org because um, we went through a lot of alienation and a lot of negative things. So it was nice to know we're not alone mm -hmm. <laughs> in that and that it is a thing and we're not imagining this and we're not blowing it out of proportion. So sadly, a lot of my resources in the beginning were on probably a lot of those kind of negative behaviors just so we could understand it and know what to deal with. And now we're kind of in that positive moving forward period. Good. That's great advice. And I love Eckhart Tolle. I've read most of his books myself. They're, they're deep and enlightening and I love them. Yeah. Um, so the last question, what advice can you offer to other blended families? Something maybe that you know you're doing right or something that you have found helpful for your family? Um, I know I mentioned earlier just about the roles. I think that the sooner you kind of read and get more information, there's, there's some things in blended families that just 
aren't going to be the same as if it was your natural biological family. And I wish that I was aware of that normalcy sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also feel like sometimes I would get caught up in, oh, we're having this problem because we're a blended family, but there's some things that we would just have because they're siblings or they're kids. And it was really easy to get caught up in that as well sometimes. And just that reminder that every age and every stage has a new challenge and it's not necessarily a blended family challenge. It's just a family challenge and that's okay. And that's going to happen. And if we were all, if we were all, you know, if all our children were our biological children, we would still be having some of these issues. So I think it's helpful just to remember that, Sometimes families just have family things and it's not all, you know, symptomatic of this. And, and um, that for me was really important and my husband too. It was like, uh, you know, sometimes you can maybe think you made a mistake throwing all your kids together or trying to form this family when things aren't going right. That's going to happen no matter what. And so that was really helpful for me to um, kind of realize. And I think the last thing that we touched on later rather than earlier, and I was just listening to your last interview, I believe it was, and it was house rules. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't, we have house rules, of course, and we have things we do, but we never really in the beginning sat down with all our kids and said, here's like the expectation for all of you. So we ended up with, you know, some strife where some of the kids felt like they had more responsibilities than other or that something was easier on another one. And so for us to sit down together as parents and say, this is the way things will work in our house and this is the expectation and have both parents say to the other children that same thing so that we're this unified front and everyone knows. I, I really wish we would have done that way sooner um, than we did, but better late than never. <laughs> yeah, it's never it's never too late. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't do it either. You know, back when I started my blended family, I really didn't know of any resources. There, I didn't even know about podcasts at that time, and there really aren't many on blended families. And I did everything probably wrong in the beginning, you know, and so that's why I started the show because I learned from what I did. But of course, I didn't do what I should have done at the beginning, and and I had to pay for that later on. So, absolutely great advice, Amy. Thank you, and thank you so much for coming on the show to share your story. I know that it will be helpful to the rest of our listeners. Thank you for having me. So if any of you want to connect with Amy, you can find her in our private Facebook group at www.blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash group. And thank you, Amy. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.